This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. For me, great to be back in Studio B. Travel day was on Monday. Daniel Salerson, also here in Studio B, aptly hosting the uh, start of the week. Appreciate it, sir. Should I start calling you Hollywood? You've been in L.A. so long. Oh, I, no, just call me a California taxpayer okay. at this point. And I'm not joking. <laughs> we'll be a little tax for the five days that we were there. Uh, but it's good to be back. And the Saints are back on the practice field today uh, in preparation for preseason game number three against the uh, Houston Texans. So... So your Monday's podcast was good. Everything was good. All right, Always good. good talking about a Saints preseason win. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know you know they don't mean anything, but after ten straight preseason losses, and I talked to some of the players today, you'll actually hear John Kuhn talk about this later on in our podcast today. That yeah, it was good to win. <laughs> it felt better. It felt better. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. John Kuhn is on today. We're going to listen into his post-practice press conference. We've got a one-on-one interview with AJ Klein as well. Boy, how good did the Saints linebackers! look on Sunday in Los Angeles and AJ Klein was a big part of that. So one-on-one with him. And today we'll also kind of tee things up for the joint practices scheduled with the Houston Texans this week here, at the Osher sports performance center, notably tomorrow, hopefully the weather holds uh, because they've got a, a full boat of fans coming tomorrow. And it is the last quote unquote open practice of training camp. So, Hey, weather permitting tomorrow, Saints and Texans on the practice field, I think at 930. Um, check com on that. And uh, in, in preparation for that, John McClain, the uh, veteran NFL writer who uh, currently covers the Houston Texans for the Houston Chronicle, is in our second segment today. So he'll give us a little preview on the Texans since we'll not only see them at practice tomorrow, but certainly Saturday night uh, in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome for that third preseason game. For both teams. Both teams, by the way, will come into that one and one. Again, that stuff doesn't matter. I'm just laying out the details. Uh, hello, NBA-wise. Yeah. Uh, where were you last night when you found out that Kyrie Irving and Isaiah Thomas were swapping sides? I was about to leave work, and all of a sudden it said trade is being discussed. I was like, all right, we'll see how it goes. And then 10 minutes later, they're in serious talks. And then as soon as I get home, the ESPN alert saying trade is done. So I felt like just in a matter of an hour... We had one of the biggest blockbuster trades in a while here. Yeah, no, it is blockbuster. I think, actually, it's pretty good for both teams. Um, just in my humble opinion, yeah. uh, neither Kyrie Irving or Isaiah Thomas are real willing defenders. <laughs> yes. So nobody gets defensively better, although Boston may get defensively a little worse. They give up two of their kind of their grit-and-grind type guys, notably in Jay Crowder, um, and Cleveland also gets a pick out of this deal. What is that pick? It's the Brooklyn Unprotected pick. So that's oh, wow. where... Oh, wow. I mean, I'm no GM here. I mean, I won a championship on NBA 2K in my video game the last couple of years. But as far as the pick, I think that was the real, you know, big thing for me that kind of gave Cleveland the win in this trade just because if, you know, everyone's talking about getting set for in case LeBron leaves. I'm not saying he's going to whatever, but now you have Brooklyn's Unprotected pick there that you could use next year as well. And so not only did... Cleveland get a, a point guard and Isaiah Thomas, who's no slouch. You get a 3 and D guy like Jay Crowder, and you get Brooklyn's unprotected pick. So I thought Cleveland did really well here, considering I don't know how much leverage they really had with trading Kyrie Irving. 
well, the only person who didn't have any leverage was Kyrie, and he makes mm-hmm. out really good yep. individually here because Cleveland's ownership could have said, you know what, okay, you want to go, but we're going to do this on our terms. We're going to get what we want out of this deal. And it, it may not have been a situation where you go to another team that can contend in the East. So lucky for Kyrie here, if you ask me. And I know, I know the folks in Boston, no one's going to you know, put a name to this, but I think there were con- genuine concerns about Isaiah Thomas's hip mm-hmm. and its durability. So we'll see how that plays out too. Um, but it's interesting, and it clearly now means, you can disagree with me if you want, Daniel, but it clearly means that it's Cleveland and Boston in the East, and everybody else is, is hoping that something goes wrong for one of them because otherwise they're not getting in. Which is funny to me from the stance, stance of when's the last time you saw two teams that are probably going to battle it out Great point. make a trade for each other? Like back in the day, I would say, I don't think that's even possible. You know, you try to even avoid trading within your conference or your division. Now you just traded your point guards, and obviously the Cavs got a little bit more, but now these are two front runners already to make the Eastern Conference Finals. Now you, you made a trade with them. I just thought it was really weird in that standpoint. Yeah. So Boston now has Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. They love Jalen Brown. Danny Ages loves that guy. Got Tatum in the draft. Got Tatum in the draft. Al Horford. Al Horford. Who am I forgetting? I believe they signed one of the Morris twins in the offseason as well. I think it was Marcus. Their they're starting five is pretty darn good. Yeah, and Kyrie's there for a couple of years as far as contract-wise. So yeah. I think Celtics are, timeline-wise, are built pretty strong here. But again, I think Cleveland gets another wing defender there in, in Jay Crowder. And Isaiah Thomas is no slouch. I know you can compare different things with Thomas and Irving, but right. that pick, man, I think is huge. But and the other thing I was thinking about, too, with the Celtics, worried about dangling that pick for another trade, I thought it would have been more useful to use that trade or that pick to trade for Jimmy Butler or something. I think a, a, a need that you really needed to fill was the small forward and that Butler trade would have filled it. It's not like you really needed a point guard. They weren't going after one. I think this kind of, you know, the opportunity presented itself to make this deal. But I think Boston fans are going to scratch their head a little bit as far as why couldn't we use that pick for a Paul George trade or a Jimmy Butler trade, not a Kyrie Irving trade, which is Kyrie Irving's not a bad player, obviously. Yeah. But just well, trying to use that pick to fill a need. You got to get those other teams to agree to it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if you want that all day long. But, exactly. Uh, I, I do think this will be the interesting watch here. I think that Boston had something very special with their chemistry and their and the, the character of that team. Just the, the uh, I guess, their personality. That's the word I was looking for, their personality. And all that changes now um, with Hayward now in there and Kyrie Irving in there and you lose, you know, a couple guys. And I'm I know we've been talking about Jay Crowder. There's somebody else I'm forgetting in this deal, too, and he was also a keep. keep. Ante Zizek or Zizek. Yeah, no, no, there was another wing guy. I think that was it. I think it was just those two, the pick and Isaiah to the Cavs. Okay. I right. could be wrong. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's pretty big. It's pretty big. And by the way, it gets real interesting because uh, on three three fronts here, two specifically for the Pelicans. The first front, though, is that I think these two teams play the first NBA game of the year. They do. Cleveland and Boston. They do. Hello. You think somebody knew that was coming before the schedule came uh, out? Maybe. That's yeah. certainly a get your pop. There's two games on that night. Yeah. Is Cleveland, Boston, and uh, Houston, and Golden, Golden State, State, which is a hell of a great night in the NBA to start off. Yeah, something tells me somebody knew something. Or that scheduling guy's like, ah, look at me. <laughs> perhaps. Maybe. Perhaps. I'm probably making more out of it than I than I need to. But I, I digress. Cleveland is here. Um for your second home game mm-hmm. on the Pelicans' schedule. Yeah. 
So you're going to get to see this experiment up close and personal right quick. And then um, hopefully everybody's still intact and whatnot because it makes a March date here at the Smoothie King Center even yeah. more attractive. I want to say Boston's here on March 18th. Yep. Now I want to say that when we did all that stuff about the schedule, when it all came out and we circled dates, talked about this and that and the other, that's a great weekend here at the Smoothie King Center. It's a home back-to-back, March 17th and 18th. Boston is the back end of that on the 18th, and now it has this mm-hmm. intrigue to it. So That's a tough also back-to-back. Cool. Yeah, it is. Who's the front end of that? I believe it's the Rockets. Let me look. Okay, check that out. It's got a schedule up on the It is Houston. Yeah. So Houston-Boston <laughs> back-to-back. How about that? Good stuff. Yeah. The only, right. the only thing I don't like about this is, you know how the Anthony Davis to Boston trade rumors are going out there? Now there's people talking about Boogie or Anthony Davis at this pick that Cleveland could use to try to get one of those. I'm just like, when is this going to stop? It won't. It won't. So just tamp it down and get ready for camp. And can you also think that maybe this could help the Pelicans as far as play Cleveland early at home with a new point guard there? That chemistry well, might be a little different there to start off. I could be over-reading no. into that, but no, it's, it's, that it's might valid. help a little bit. Sure. Timing is everything on these schedules. Yeah. Um, look at last year when the Pelicans had to adjust to Boogie coming in. Yeah. Took a few games, didn't it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, uh, that's valid. That's valid. Anyway, I tell you what, the NBA has done a good job of finding a way to have news in every single month this year. Many trades left in the tank here? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's any other stars to trade. Well, we still know where Carmelo's going. I'm sure that'll pop up here in the next week or so. Stand by for that. Yep. All right, let's get into it. Uh, we'll take our first break. When we come back, let's go with John McClain. Get a preview on this Texans-Saints uh, dynamic this week. And uh, it's always good to catch up with John. He's actually traveling today, so you'll hear him uh, um, in transit, shall we say. And then still to come, of course, A.J. Klein and John Kuhn. If you don't want to miss out on any of the action, get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Our next guest today uh, has not been on with us in quite some time, and that's not a good thing for us because John McClain is one of the great, great writers and coverers of the NFL. 38 years now covering the NFL and Houston NFL football for the Houston Chronicle. He's kind enough to join us as the Texans get set to hit town tomorrow for joint practices with the Saints and then the preseason game on Saturday. John, thanks uh, while you're traveling today for the time and joining us. I appreciate it. My pleasure. It's always fun to come to New Orleans. I've probably been here 50 or 60 times, and I've never grown tired of coming to the Big East. <laughs> God bless you. Appreciate that. You can also follow John, speaking of following folks, on Twitter, at McLean on NFL. That's uh, just as you might expect it to be spelled there, uh, M-C-C-L-A-I-N. And then, of course, uh, online at cron.com. John, give me the uh, give me the number one storyline for these one and one preseason Texans. What's all the talk around that team? 
only thing anybody's been talking about since the draft is the quarterback position. Tom Savage is the starter. He is uh, he has solidified his hold on that position with his performance in the last three drives of preseason. And Deshaun Watson has been really, really good for a rookie, and he was putting a lot of heat on on Savage. Uh, but uh, Savage was great on two drives against New England's number one defense, and then uh, Watson was not as good against Patriots as he had been against Carolina. But still, based on Tom Savage being hurt in each of his first three seasons, and Bill O'Brien's tradition of benching his starting quarterback in each of his first three seasons, the odds are pretty heavy. We're going to see Deshaun Watson at some point this season, and how soon depends on how Tom Savage plays. Well, I, I guess that makes sense then, if that's all the talk. That seems like um, a little bit of a dramatic storyline there that maybe shouldn't be so dramatic. Am I wrong on that? It was. People are so fired up about Watson. They have. We haven't had a franchise quarterback in Houston since Warren Moon and Warren's last season here was 1993. You know, they thought they had one in David Carr with the Texans. No. Then they thought Matt Schaub. Matt had four good seasons in which he and Andre Johnson were a terrific twosome, but they never got beyond the second round of the playoffs. We haven't had a team get beyond the second round of the playoffs since the Oilers after the 1979 season when they went to the AFC Championship game. So they traded up 12 spots to get Deshaun Watson, and we all saw him play so great in the last two national championship games against Nick Saban's defense. And then he is not disappointed at all. But Tom Savage, who knows the system, it's his fourth season, He's one and one as a starter, no touchdowns, no interceptions. So even though he's a veteran, he has so little experience. He's the fifth, the fifth year in a row the Texans go into a season with a different starting quarterback, and we're all pretty sure Watson will be in next year to make it six and six consecutive seasons. On the defensive side, John, is is it an even better Houston outfit than what we've come to know over the last couple of years? The Texans' defense was number one last year, but that's in yards allowed. They they need to allow fewer points, force more turnovers, score more than one touchdown. Their front seven should be outstanding. J.J. Watts back to full speed. Devion Clowney coming out of a all-pro and Pro Bowl season. And uh, they've got Whitney Merciless, Brian Cushing's playing well. So they've got uh, a good front seven that should cover up potential problems in the secondary, at least for a while. John, do you think a lot of those big names are going to play? It is it is preseason game number three, but I'm not so sure anyone holds to that tradition anymore. I don't see them playing Jadeveon Clowney and DeAndre Hopkins. They've been sidelined with injuries. The goal is to make sure they're 100% for Jacksonville, the opener. J.J. Watts played the first series of the First two games, he went full speed in two joint practices against New England. And I'm guessing he'll play one series again. And Tom Savage, we look for him to play at least two quarters for the first time. I'm sure the fans will be eager to see Deshaun Watson. He's been very exciting in his first two games. 
I'm guessing about three quarters of their starters will play against the Saints. Is there a name or two, John, that uh, that I should keep my eye on, whether it be during the joint practices or on Saturday's game, that are putting together a great camp, might find themselves on the 53-man roster when it's all said and done? There is a wide receiver, Bruce Ellington, who was got waived in early August. They failed him on his physical. Texans, he passed their physical. The Texans brought him in. Let him watch a couple of days, and then they, because of injuries to Braxton Miller, Will Fuller, and DeAndre Hopkins, they threw him out there. And Bruce Ellington has been tremendous. He had 37 and 33-yard catches against New England's top cornerbacks and has looked very good. They have a undrafted rookie linebacker who's second team named Dylan Cole, who's been terrific. They have a the biggest outside linebacker in history, Ufumba Kamalu, who last year was an undrafted defensive and started a few games because of injuries, because of a lack of depth outside linebacker. They moved him to that position. He's six six and three hundred, and he's coming off a terrific game against the Patriots. So they look for him to be even better. Texans have done a real good job at finding players who were not drafted, and then doing a good coaching job of developing them, kind of like they did with Aaron Foster and A.J. Boyer. And uh, so they'll play a lot of these young guys. Their other draft choices, I don't think third-round pick Deontay Foreman, who's been their leading rush University of Texas, will play. I saw him pull up a hamstring or a groin injury in practice yesterday, but their toughest cut will be at running back. And right now, with so many wideouts injured, they're going to be in the market for the bottom of the roster looking around when the cuts are made. Okay. Well, that's good to know because uh, I think we're going to zero in on all that when we have this new cut going from 90 all the way down to 53 after that fourth preseason game. John, safe travels. As always, we'll be following you on Twitter and at cron.com, and we'll see you this week here in New Orleans. My pleasure. I'm really looking forward to coming over. Good luck to the Saints this season. Same to you, sir, and all your coverage. Appreciate it. John McLean from the Houston Chronicle covering the Houston Texans. And, again, joint practices begin tomorrow. All those tickets have been distributed for practice tomorrow. Uh, hopefully you got one of those good ones. Hopefully the weather holds off as well. And then the two teams will have a closed walkthrough, it looks like, on Friday. And then the game is on Saturday at 7 o'clock. Stay with us. Plenty more to go here on this Wednesday. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. AJ, we're kind of getting toward the, the end of training camp, two preseason games under your belt now. How would you evaluate, in your words, the way the defense has played in the first two preseason games? I think in the first game we were a little uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for, spotty. Um, we didn't execute at a high level um, consistently through all three groups. Um, I think this last week uh, the execution was a lot better. Their, uh, the technique was better and the execution of the defense was better. So obviously it shows uh, with some of the production that we had with eight sacks and um, finally forcing some turnovers. So um, it was a good stepping stone uh, to leading to this week with, with the Texans. In hindsight, when you look back, what were things that contributed to being better in preseason game number two? Um, I want to say the communication uh, off the field. Uh, when we got into the film, in the film room and uh, we started talking schemes and, and really uh, focusing on our, our communication. Um, and I also think we executed the defense better. Um, so, I mean, the plays, the plays are going to happen. I mean, D.A. puts us in good situations with some of the, the calls he's making, so it's our job to execute, and we executed better this week. Were you guys more exotic in any way against no. the Chargers than you were in week one? No, I don't think we were at all. I think, like I said, it came down to execution. Um, I think we had, overall, I think we had less mental errors. Um, better execution, not as far as just the defense, but technique-wise. Mm-hmm. So you can see the small improvements um, technique-wise from every single group, and uh, it's, it's showing. It's starting to show on the field. Is it, is it, I don't know how these things go hand in hand, help me out here, execution and playing faster, how do they relate and do they relate in any way? Um, I think when you talk about execution and playing faster, more the execution parts, you're not thinking. You're doing, you know your job because you're not thinking too hard. And uh, if you know your job, you know what you're doing, you're going to play faster. And um, those, go, those go hand in hand. So, like I said, DA tries to make the, the calls as simple and, and uh, basically as, as easy as possible scheme-wise so we can play fast. Yep. Because if you're sitting there trying to diagnose everything on the run, you're not going to play fast. So um, go, that goes out to DA and the coaches of putting a good game plan together. When you and I talked earlier in camp, there was this kind of this discovery period. Let's see who can play where. Let's put guys in different positions. Have things settled down in any way, and how so? Um, I think I think we're still we're still developing as a group. I think I think as we get into the season, if if a playbook starts to open up a little bit more, we might see some different things. Guys move around different places, but I think right now that we're we're pretty settled into the positions that we'll probably be in for the rest of the season. Um, and from top to bottom, as a linebacker group. We're, we're pretty veteran. I mean, we got guys that have played, I think, um, obviously with, with Alex being one of our young guys. But other than that, I mean, Craig, Manti, me, and, and Nate, and um, Steph, we all have experience. And um, obviously that's, gonna, that's definitely going to pay off because you have guys that have played. You all seem to have a specialty, too. There's something unique about each one of you as I've watched you now develop as a group. You no, know, I, think, I think each person's unique, and, uh, and that's going to continue to show. And I think uh, going into this week with the Texans, um, the preparation that we'll have. Hopefully we'll, we'll continue to show flashes of uh, what this group can bring um, to the regular season. So it's just exciting in the preseason because it's, it's a build-up. It's always a build-up to week one, and uh, we're continuing to improve every day. I can't help but notice that you all seem to enjoy each other's company too, no. on and off the field. Yeah. We have a great time. We have a great time. It's, it's a good group, and um, we're all starting to get, get to know each other really well off the field not just not just about football so I think you'll continue to see this group grow um, on a personal level uh, not just as teammates so that's exciting to see how can you describe Kenny Vaccaro's role in this defense AJ sometimes I see him lining up hip to hip with you almost and then other times he's back behind you where we're kind of used to seeing him I know Kenny's a versatile player for us and uh He's obviously the veteran, the veteran of that that uh, DB room. So, or one of the veterans of the DB room. So, uh, he's a very important piece and very vital piece because he brings the versatility and he brings knowledge of the defense. 
Um, and obviously it's important for us to be able to communicate with him um, as a linebacker. So he's, he's a very important piece, and I, I'm obviously very excited to play with him because he's going to be a big playmaker for us. Joint practices with the Texans this week. Any thoughts on that and how it'll be similar to what we saw last, last week in Los Angeles? Um, what would you like to see out of this week? Um, I'd like to see continuous improvement, um, find our weaknesses, and continue to work them. Um, I know they'll probably present some different challenges this week than what we faced last week. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds mundane and, and, and repetitive, but the continuous improvement is, is very important and uh, working on the techniques. I think these, these, uh, these weeks and these days of these practices with, with these other teams kind of show it's almost a measuring stick of where we're at in this process and we understand that we got three weeks till week one but it's time to start start ramping up and uh anytime you get the opportunity to go against other people it's one great competition because you're not going against your guys and um it brings out the best in people every every day how does it affect the preseason game that you kind of end the week with you know, say in Los Angeles last week, or you'll do again this week with Houston. I don't think it affects it at all. I think uh, I think everybody understands practice, and um, I think as the coaches meet with the other team, I mean, we get a lot of good technique work and one-on-ones and that kind of stuff that um, most people don't see. They just think you go ones versus ones all practice. There's a lot of technique work that goes into to every practice, and that's the opportunity for us to to get better and, and work our craft. All the best. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you don't want to miss out on any of the action, get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. He must be a big deal since he's verified on Twitter. He's Sean Kelly, and this is the Black and Blue Report. So far, so good on this Wednesday. One more guest to share with you today. That's John Kuhn, the Saints fullback, spoke to the media after practice today. I want to just play his uh, his post-practice presser for you. Be listening for a couple things here. Uh, John talks about... Um, what it's been like to block in front of the variety of running backs the Saints feature behind him right now, namely Adrian Peterson, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, and Daniel Lasco and others. Uh, and then also he talks about the Saints' defense and what they've shown here in the first two weeks, not to mention as uh, Daniel and I were kicking around the first segment, uh, that whole dynamic of winning a preseason game, which finally happened this past weekend. So, all right, here you go. John Kuhn after practice today at the Astro Sports Performance Center. Has it made camp a little different this year, just you know, having that, those guys? Has it made it more competitive, you feel like? I feel like it's made it a lot more fun. Um, we can all recognize that with more competition, we can push each other to become better players, and that's exactly what um, you're seeing unfolding right now. I mean, Mark and Adrian are having a great camp. Um, Alvin's really performed in, uh, in his two preseason games, and and uh, and even like Darius Victor and and uh, Lasco and, and Trey and I mean they they've all been putting in and, and doing really good things so it's it's exciting and it's fun. 
Anything different you technique-wise when you're blocking for each of those different backs? Obviously different skill sets. So anything goes You know, I'd normally say no, but this is probably the first time in my career that you have to say yes. I mean, Adrian wants to hit the hole so hard. I, I mean, I have to be in a real hurry to get to my guy, make sure I get to him on, on the other side of the line, and I don't necessarily have to hold him forever. I can just kind of um, ricochet him, and, and Adrian's going to make going to make me right. He's, he, he wants to get downhill as fast as he can. Mark and uh, Mark and Alvin, they're more um, – they're more cerebral guys. They're really trying to set up the, the, the full play uh, based off of the way that things go, and, and they're both really good at doing that, stretching stretching the play and then hitting it one cut downfield. Um, all the guys are so talented. Um, it really makes my job not too, too difficult. So it's it's fun blocking for every single one of them. you ever been in a situation like this with, with that? No, I haven't. No, no, I'll say it. Right off the bat, I mean, I've I've always um, really enjoyed the running backs that I blocked for, and and uh, and I have blocked for some talented guys. But this plethora of, of talent from different range of set of skills, and, and all very talented with it. You know, you talk about what Alvin can do, and, and AP can do, and and what Mark can do, and then then you, I didn't even say Cadet and, and Lasco and the rest of the guys. I mean, it's it's really a talented talented group. When you're watching the defense do like they did this past Sunday. As an offensive guy, what kind of energy does that provide the offense? Well, it's exciting. Um, the best, the best part is we're kind of playing downhill. Um, now, I'd like to say we we want to do a little better than that. I mean, we um, we we put them in a pressure situation to, to to pitch a goose egg, which they did. I mean, the only points in the game were scored on us, so we don't want to do that. That's not. That's. I mean, we we want to play downhill. We want to score a lot of points, and, and we want them to be playing free. But they did a great job. Their backs were against the wall the whole game, and they didn't let up a point. You have a lot of miles to feed in this offense. Do you have any certain goals for yourself, like how many carries, how many, uh, how you want to participate in the offense? As ten a, wins as or a more. Ten wins that's, or more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, playoffs and ten wins usually get you in. So that, that's my goal for for myself. But it's a team goal. You know, that's that's what we – it's the playoffs this year. You know, we missed it last year, and you don't like being there in the first week of January thinking about what your vacation is. You want to be here, you know, thinking about what other people are doing on vacation. John, back to the way the defense played this past weekend. In what ways did you kind of see that coming for them since you guys go ahead? I've, I've told a bunch of people this has been a very aggressive camp, very competitive camp. Um, some days where the offense goes out there and maybe what we're working on that day um, doesn't work well with the defense and, and, and we hit a couple big plays, but you, you better be certain that the next day they're going to come out and they're going to have that fixed and, and they're going to have an answer for that. So it, it has. It's been a very competitive camp. We've had some days and uh, and they've had some days, but it's been, it's been fun going after it and it's exciting because you can only hit each other so many times before you got to go play another team, and, and we were both excited to do that. I know preseason wins don't mean anything, but did winning on Sunday mean anything, or did it change a mood or anything around this camp? You know, uh, this is only my second camp here, so I didn't know, I didn't realize how long it's been since there's been a preseason win. So, yeah, I mean, any win's fun. You get in the locker room, preseason or not, it did not feel as good in uh, Cleveland as it did in San Diego. It's it's a much different feel um, collectively, and the, the thing you know about a, a win is, um, yeah, you're going to have pieces that you need to work on and pieces that need to get better. But if you won, that means the other side of the equation held up their bargain even more so in order for you to get the win. So that's that's the good news. John, do you feel with the new roster cuts this year with the different rule breaking down in one cut, does that make it different this year as far as, as, far as you see it coming into other years? Well, I think, it, I think it really takes the burden off the coaches for figuring out how they want to rep that fourth preseason game. Um, you could be in a situation normally with 
depending on injuries and that first cut, you could be squeezed to play some guys deep into that fourth preseason game. And uh, and now you should be able to give guys more of an opportunity, guys that that need that exposure for, for everybody around the league. They might actually get that full opportunity that they wouldn't normally get. Do you think that was the impetus of changing it to the cut from 90 to 53? I absolutely think it is. I mean, we've been talking about shortening the preseason, and everybody knows that's not going to happen. The owners don't want to do that. So here's a way you can kind of appease both sides. You can um, keep the preseason games, but you don't have to you don't have to run your horses in that fourth preseason game anymore. And you can give new guys some more exposure. I mean, it's that not having that cut is is a win win for all players. You faced him as an opponent for a long time, Adrian. What's it like to have him as a teammate? Have you learned anything more about him in this role now that you're his teammate as opposed to an opponent? Um, most about his personality. Um, you know, I've met him a few times before, and we've chatted a few times before. But getting to know him as a person has has been a blessing. He's a, he's a great, caring, humble guy. Um, he cares about the other guys in the room, which is is great to see. Um, and and of a guy with the superstar um, stature like he does, he doesn't act like that. So um, he's been a great addition to the room, and I know a lot of guys look up to him. All right, there you have it. Don't forget, John will be with us a lot here on the Black and Blue Report this upcoming season. Look for him as well on NewOrleansSaints.com. He's a great follow on Twitter and uh, I think has a huge future, perhaps as a broadcaster when he is done with his playing days. He's got many more days to go before he uh, takes the helmet off and a headset on. So there you have it. Daniel Salerson, thank you, sir. Appreciate it very much. Same goes to A.J. Klein and John McClain. Uh, of course, you can follow him at McLean on NFL. That's McLean underscore on underscore NFL. You want to follow him throughout this week as the Texans come calling uh, starting tomorrow. So with that, we'll uh, bid you adieu until Friday in this particular format. Friday's Black and Blue Report will be uh, thick with uh, Saints and Texans and uh, perhaps <laughs> perhaps more NBA news. We didn't expect yesterday's news, but we'll kick it around if it happens, that's for sure. All right, everybody, have a great rest of your Wednesday. Stay dry, all of you in the Gulf South. We're thinking of everybody might have to deal with a lot of wet weather over the next four, five, six days. Take care.